to me, we're, we're getting to the point of the end of the alphabet, that there's human sexuality and it's way more complicated than we anybody ever dreamed. There's not just one cultural way of expressing it. You know, your, your choices are not being a wife, husband, or, you know, you know an interior decorator. <laughs> or, I was gonna say, or priest. <laughs> Welcome to The Gaily Dose, the weekly podcast made for and by gay men and their allies. We're a podcast with a mission, elevated conversation with the hopes of building a deeper sense of community in the gay world. Shall it's time to come take your Gaily Dose. Welcome to The Gaily Dose. This is Helmut Lucero Domogolski, and I am very excited today to bring you a dose of perspective with my friend, Patrick Mizell. Hey, Patrick. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I um, I am talking to you, and you look like you're seated in a beautiful place. Where are you sitting? I'm sitting uh, with my back to my back garden in Portland, yes. Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Yes. So far away from Atlanta. I know. <laughs> That's a story in itself. <laughs> it is. It is. Patrick, uh, tell me if I'm wrong or not. But you used to live here in Atlanta. Yes. I grew up in Atlanta. Yes. There you go. And I know we have good mutual friends. And by way of them, I was excited to get to chat with you because you have some really great perspective and some thoughts that I think our dolls will greatly enjoy. Um, For those of you listening, we don't have um, either Bennett or Dante on. Both of those ladies are working. Um, And so today I get to get uh, a dose of perspective with Patrick all to myself. (laughs) So Patrick, let's start. Um, let's start at the beginning. We were talking a little bit about your life here in Atlanta, and um, let's see. There were a few things we talked about. One of them was really how your relationship with lesbians and gays. It was kind of a unique time and a really important part of your your gay youth. Is that right? That's correct. Tell me about what that was like. Well, when I came out, I was a late bloomer. I mean, I knew I was gay from early on, but my first sexual experience in high school was traumatic. It was not a nice experience. So all through college, I sort of put it, thought it was okay, it's a phase, I'll grow out of it, la, 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 la. But, you know, about the time I was about 26, it was very apparent that we need to get the show on the road. (laughs) So (laughs) um, I didn't know any gay people. So well, I knew one or two, and they introduced me to a group of lesbians, including Abby Drew, who you were recently interviewed, I think. Yeah, um, she was on a dose of um, queer culture. Yeah, so I met this circle of lesbians who were all good friends, and, you know, they taught me about bars and, you know, introduced me to some of their men friends, and, you know, it was just, so I really entered gay life with a lesbian perspective, I think. And do you think that worked out well? I think it worked out great. I still have, you know, almost more lesbian friends than, than gay male friends. Yeah. What did you find that your lesbian friends encouraged you to do most of or more of? Well, you know, they just had, they had double experience of, of sort of oppression in the workplace and so forth um, from the perspective of just being women and also from being lesbian. So, you know, they had, just that whole idea of perseverance and be who you are and, 
you know, if you want to be feminine, be feminine. If you want to be masculine, be masculine. And, you know, that there was a whole lot of options and it was really up to you to be happy. Yeah. Not up to anybody else to make you happy. True. This is very true. Now you talked a little bit, um, workplace. Um, it was it very common to find other gays at work? How did you, how would people notice each other? And, and I mean, there are just as many of us now as there were then, <laughs> we're all yes. out now, right? Well, it was dangerous to be out. I mean, it, it sort of automatically limited your, if you were like me and was like, there was no hiding it. You know, I was a fae sort of slim fae sort of person. So, you know, everybody just assumed I was gay. Yeah. So that automatically limited, you know, things like prof the professions. They all had moral turpitude clauses in their contracts. And, you know, they could fire you for if they suspected you were gay, much less anything else. You couldn't be in the government or the military or, you know, I had sort of wanted to be a diplomat like certain people in my family. And, you know, that was just out of the question. I'd never passed the background check. So I was a self-employed artist most of my career so yeah so basically it also shaped i guess what you could do and what you couldn't do in terms so of your it career very much yeah so being gay was very much if you wanted to be out if you wanted to be your authentic self there were not a whole lot of options i mean the stereotypes were decorator and, and you know hairdresser and that was pretty or fashion consultant or something like that not that those are anything bad but they were you know they were tolerated yeah kind of like the church choir director yes you know everybody knew the minister of music was you know flaming but nobody ever mentioned it because they needed it <laughs> they needed him but as soon as you weren't necessary you know out the window yeah so, those weren't options such a different time so there were lots of you know eventually i got to know a lot of professional people who were gay but a lot of them were closeted or married one particular Episcopal bishop who was, you know, screaming queen. <laughs> this was before the Episcopal church, you know, which has gotten quite open. Recently. Yeah, well, it's interesting because then you think about it, you have an entire peoples that have learned to lie and hide and not be authentic just for pure survival. And then, of course, everybody says, oh, you can't trust gay people because they're lying and inauthentic. <laughs> it's like, hello. <laughs> well, yeah, you wanted to live. You wanted to. Yeah. 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 It is quite a journey we are on to still find that total acceptance. Um, tell me a little bit. So one of my favorite perspectives that you'll share with our dolls is you were successful in, I think, a 40 year marriage. Yes. Well, it's a 40 year relationship. It's my tomorrow actually as would have been my fourth wedding anniversary because of oh. course we couldn't get married until, you know, quite recently. That's true. So we, you know, we lived together 40 years. And yeah. So tell me, how did you meet this gentleman? In the gym, when the suburban shopping center gyms were first getting started, um, we met at the gym at Toco Hills in Decatur. Oh, <laughs> nice. Decatur in Atlanta. Nice. And, um, it was it was fun. I didn't have my contacts in, and I was in the pool and just sort of lazing on the side, and this hand floated by. <laughs> <laughs> the second time it floated by, I knew it was not it was not an accident. So, 
I waited in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because you, you didn't have your glasses on. So was this like a blurry? You didn't know who this yeah, individual was? You know, I couldn't was. wear my contacts in the pool. And it was, um, this was back before the days of, you know, fancy contacts. And, um, yeah. you know, everything was a blur. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so did you at least see him before the parking lot? Or did you get out there in the parking lot? Waiting? I, well, no, I, I could see him well enough when he was close enough. So, okay, nice. And, um, and so that started a 40 year relationship, which is That's right. Yes, lovely. we, you know, we, we dated for a while, but we pretty quickly moved in together by New Year's, we were living together. So a little and bit my of family was... were very accepting of him. Oh, they were. I'm not sure they knew exactly to begin with what was going on exactly, but they, I had come out to them beforehand. So um, unless they were willfully ignorant. They were. <laughs> <laughs> so he came to Thanksgiving with the hordes of aunts and uncles and all of that stuff. And, you know, everybody seemed to like him. We yeah, were moved in nice. by New Year's and... We were both at that point. I started went to work for him. He had a wholesale showroom in the merchandise mart, and so I took over part of his territory. And we would spend sort of two weeks on the road and one week back. So we were not particularly interested in monogamy to begin with. Yeah. But there's something about living with somebody that breeds intimacy, and the intimacy is connected to the sexuality. But the sexuality does not, it seems somehow not to be the, the main feature anymore. Um, it's like the, it's, it's like the ornament or the, it's the introduction and then it's sort of like the ornament. It's like the icing on the cake, but, you know, the cake becomes more important. So, you know, we, we became monogamous just in time for the AIDS epidemic. So, you know, it's only by chance that we had the chance to have a 40-year relationship. Yeah, which we, is you know, quite wonderful that it worked out that way. Or, And of course, now in the retirement home, we were talking to a, a couple that we know here who are in their 45th year. We celebrated their 45th anniversary just the other day. And they were they made some remark about, well, well, like, you know, there are a lot of lesbians in this community, but where are the men? And then it just both occurred to us that, of course, you know, so many of our friends died and those that didn't, you know, maybe spent all their money or, you know, thought they might die at any minute. So they didn't save for retirement. Interesting. So retirement is pricey, people. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a is that a warning bell to all our dolls? That is prepare, a bell. <laughs> prepare. If they're very young, they say if you invest in a mutual fund in the first twenty years, you're out of college. You don't really have to worry about it. Yeah, it is. It is true. Late. It's hard and, to catch up. Well, and if you think about it, a lot of a lot of people in the community may be more estranged from their family. They may not have support. They may not have children. Um, children is very important. A lot of the men who are here is even the single ones have been married because of that earlier problem um, and have children. And it's very useful to have children when you're retired, somebody to look after nursing home and yeah. you know, keep them on their toes. When you get yeah, well, and if you think about it, you know, that's why things like laws about enabling adoption, for example, would be very, very advantageous, not only for the children, but for, for the gay men um, as well. 
Well, I, know, I have one gay friend who's, he and his partner have just adopted five children. They wanted to adopt one, but it was a family. They're actually fostering. They haven't adopted them, but the father died of an overdose. The mother is in jail and the siblings wanted to stay together. And so they took them all. Unfortunately, yeah. He's my stockbroker, so you know, he can afford it. <laughs> I actually, I actually know that friend. I saw him this weekend. Oh, oh of course. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. But I mean, I'm all admiration, and of course, those kids, you know, have entered the, you know, they won the the golden ticket. So yeah, yeah. They will I think it's hopefully be grateful in his old age. And yes, I think fostering is um, an awesome alternative, also to adoption, just for the investing of yourself in someone, but. Um, I hope the future we have better laws that enable us to adopt because I yes. think it is such a beautiful thing. Well, you can in some places, but not in others. And so. Agreed. So when you kind of look at um, you and your husband, your late husband decided to move from Atlanta, um, what was the driver for that? Well, we were lying in bed one day and we were our first retirement was to Athens, Georgia get Very out of nice. town basically, but still have a civilized life. And um, we met lots of friends there and so forth. But um, my spouse was, was beginning to have medical problems with small strokes. And we looked at all the nursing homes and in Georgia, everything's either run by a church that's any good or it's, um, you know, if you get, you can have an over 55 community and that's fine, but if you need people to come in and help you, they make you move to assisted living, which might be another place. And if you need nursing, hair nursing care help, you have to move somewhere else. So there's a, a lot of disruptive moving, which can augment or incite dementia in people. And because of our age difference, which was about 20 years, um, you get the problem of I might be in an assisted living and he might be across town in a nursing home and I couldn't drive anymore or something like that. So the laws in Georgia favor, it favors all these legislatures that own the big old rotting mansion in town that they call a nursing home. That Georgia is very bad on nursing homes. So we looked around and we were lying in bed in, listening to NPR one morning and they did a story about gay people who were coming out or had been out all their lives and suddenly, you know, they needed retirement community and they couldn't, you know, they had to pretend to be brothers or sisters or cousins or something because, you know, the church or whatever didn't approve of gay people or the administration wouldn't approve of them and so they interviewed people, you know, having dreadful times. And then they interviewed uh, people at Rose Villa here in Portland. And they were going on about how staff training and all of that, um, how accepting they had become. And we, they interviewed a lesbian couple who live here. And we thought that sounded really good. We were coming out here for a cruise anyway. So we stopped in and spent a couple of days here and at another place in Portland and we liked the laws here and we liked the, the way the administration of these places were sympathetic and you know sensitive to the needs of gay people and um we have our little annual gay pride parade and yes drag, well, you, the you world's know, oldest drag queen who's a star in portland comes 
and sent some of her some some of her girls out to do a show, and you know all the old ladies in the nursing home just love drag. Oh, I'm sure they do. All the so we are, the whole community has a good time enjoying an aspect of gay culture. Yeah. Well, so, and you think about it too. If you got any sort of anti-gay employees, or maybe the lack of education in them of how to care for care for us. I mean, there's could be a lot, I could see a lot of negative situations for- Yeah, you know, you don't want to be beaten over the head with the Bible on your deathbed to repent or something like that. I mean, I know a lot of really good Christians who would never dream of doing something like that. But, you know, there are those others that, you know, they're going to you know, abuse you or, you know, make you want to repent or, you know, something like that. So yeah. all of that's, that's, instant firing offense here. So. Yeah. So I think it's interesting because the, the pathway, there's a lot of life um, ahead for our dolls, right? If you think about the well, life. there is now. Yeah, there's life yeah. expectancy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and with the way that we have effectively worked through HIV AIDS, at least in a good part. Um, well, it's a manageable I- disease now. It is. I mean, it's not something you really want to have, but you know, it's like diabetes. Once you've got it, you can deal with it. Yeah, and we have plenty of uh, of good uh, protection from it as well. Yes. So, with that said, I now have to work on my retirement and think about where I want to retire. <laughs> yes. Hey, dolls. Many of you know pets can be vital companions and contribute to our health and well-being. When we asked Edie Cheeseburger, she named Pals Atlanta her preferred not-for-profit, a group dedicated to providing care and support for pets of Atlanta persons living with HIV, AIDS, other terminal illnesses, and the elderly. They've helped thousands of people to keep their animals, thereby living healthier, happier lives. Yet support during COVID has been hard. Give or volunteer your time by visiting palsatlanta.org or on social media at Pals Atlanta. Thanks, dolls. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, what is it like to to grieve a partner. What's it like to be single again um, in in your later years? What are the things you've learned so far from that perspective? Well, it's been it's not quite two years. So I, the first year was in shock, and then we've also then we had COVID, so there was no dating or anything like that. Um, what to say it's it's weird it's it's strange to be single again um because you know for so long you've been a unit with another person and right. so it's very unsettling in many ways um sure. i had a blind date the other day and that did you really yes <laughs> it, did you like it, it? won't amount to anything but we'll probably be friends you know it was like sisters <laughs> <laughs> That's often how it is, you know. It was was nice because it was a lesbian couple here introduced us and we all went out to get dinner together. So if it didn't work, nobody got humiliated. It was very, very nicely managed by them. And, you know, it was very sweet. Yet again, lesbians to the rescue. You may know somebody, so who knows? Exactly. I would say one of the things you talked about is um, the intimacy of a relationship and, I think it's rather wonderful that you have been able to experience that in your lifetime. Um, it is. It's you know, it's so much big. It's like a whole bigger world from the, you know, 
there's nothing wrong with being single your whole life. I know lots of people who are perfectly happy and what would people would call promiscuous in the, you know, if they were in the sort of old days and they have perfectly sane, lovely lives and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also the whole intimacy thing to me, it's just so, it's so rich that, you know, I would, if I had a choice, well, I had a choice and this is what I picked. So. Yeah. yeah but, so you, you live that decision, which is wonderful. Um, I and think you know, it's cold. I'm, I'm sort of a, I don't know, a sort of very traditional guy and sort of right smack in the middle class. So, you know, it's a comfortable world that I'm familiar with too. But nowadays, of course, you know, with neurobiology and sociology and the things we know about sex and stuff that you know, there's so many more options these days. Not only you can stay single and you could have a circle of friends who are, you know, intimate and, you know, you like this one for one thing and the other one for something else. You can form households with two or three people. And as long as everybody's considerate of, you know, and, and helping the other persons to grow, you know, there's not really, you know, we're not, it's not a sacrament or anything anymore. It's a civil contract. So <laughs> when you get married, you know, that's why we got married. We weren't, we weren't necessarily interested in being married from a religious point of view, but the civil contract is very useful, you know, especially when somebody dies, you know, the bureaucracy around death is just unbelievable stuff you don't even think about. So, you know, that, that was very handy. You know, it's interesting because I've heard many um, gay people tell stories um, that are quite hard when one dies and they haven't set things up legally. Um, right. Yeah. And the thing that can have a huge implication that people don't always think about. You might not be allowed in the, the hospital when they, in their emergency room or, you know, you try and close their bank accounts and, you have to go through probate. <laughs> yeah. And if you inherit any money, um, it's, it's not like a spouse inheriting money. It's like a friend inheriting money and you get horrible tax consequences. Yeah. So those are all things to think about even when you're young. <laughs> even when you're young, you know, when you have much more options when you're young. You do, you do. But as you kind of think through where your life is going and what your goals are, Right. It's sort of um, they're very special considerations we need to think about as gay people, um, which extends much mistakes. Right. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I made plenty. <laughs> they, can lead, they can lead to interesting things, too. Truth, truth. So as we, we think about um, one of the points you talked through there a little bit, you touched on, you know, you didn't get married for religious reasons um, as a gay culture, we kind of have stepped, mm, a lot of us have stepped out of religion. Some have not, some have stayed in their religions and are helping to change and morph them from within. But what are your thoughts as to what we should replace religion with and how should we go about that? Well, I'm still religious. I, I practice Buddhism and have for 20 years. And to me, it's sort of, it's atheistic in a sense, because it doesn't, it has a lot to, this whole panoply of gods and goddesses and things like that, but they're all considered aspects of your mind. So it allows me to have that 
dimension in my life, which I read an interesting article the other day says it comes from the same part of the brain where physical lust comes from. So that's sort of an interesting thing to think about. I haven't digested that yet, but um, wow, so lust and lust. impulse and, and, and that, that flash you get when you see the cutie is um, <laughs> they're the same. the same place. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe that why. explains why there's so much hanky panky in religious circles, you know, so many <laughs> scandals. So, but I mean, I think you don't need to be religious today. The ethics is the thing. Um, you know, are you hurting somebody? Is it, can the person you're, you're relating to give consent? Is there some kind of power imbalance? You know, what's, what's the dynamic? Are you giving or are you only taking? That's probably a big one. Um, you know, are you stealing? Are you lying? Are you killing? You know, the basic pillars of morality, whether you're religious about it or not. I mean, society, just common sense tells you society can't function if everybody cheats and lies and you know, all the time. And most people don't. Right. Well, it's interesting, though, because when we leave um, religion, often we leave some of the rituals or regular practices that kind of make you ask yourself questions, right? So yes. if, you, if you only were going to church on, let's say, on a Sunday or whatever, um, you you have that time of reflection. And so I guess as we as people do leave that kind of environment, it's it's important to think about how you'll replace that with other times of meaningful thought. Yes. Well, I mean, it happens with with non-gay people too, especially yeah. out here on the West Coast. Um, I have a friend, a you know, straight female friend who she loves Catholicism and has grown up Catholicism as a former nun. And she goes to a group that's completely Catholic, but they have women priests. So yeah. They got some, you know, crazy bishop somewhere to ordain a couple of these women, and you know, it's off and running. And so, you know, she gets her fixed that way. Um, in America, you can, you know, there are lots of things to choose from. The there really are. Nowadays, is is as open as you can get. So. Yeah, and if you think about it now, even most most everyone went virtual, right, for a time. So there's yeah. there's now access. Uh, to to most religious types, even from the yeah. confines of your home. <laughs> I mean, you could attend a church service in Atlanta from Portland, or you could attend a Zen talk in Portland from Atlanta. So, but I mean, also these like uh, another group of secular people here have a big solstice celebration every year, and they celebrate the year and the you know the eternal time versus you know passing time and. You know that satisfies their their need for ritual, and the dinner party I think is the ultimate religion religious ritual. I mean, you know, just having a dinner party is is a great religious experience if you want it to be. I think you're right. I, it's one of my favorite things when you really like sit around a table and talk about real things. Yeah, people that you love. That small talk, but with friends that you really love, and you know. Yeah, and you may touch on some things that are meaningful in that discourse. Um, certainly beats going out to a bar. <laughs> yeah, you know, I lost my enchantment with bar. And, you know, if bars wanted you to meet up and, and meet people, the music would be a lot less loud. <laughs> this is true. This is it's true. Great for energy, but, you know, especially when you're young, but they, they lose their enchantment pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, when you think about 
um, kind of a topic change. Uh, when we think about life and our letters, right? LGBT, you've, we've seen them now, the Q, I, A, there's so much variety. I think I have friends who live in Athens who've said they just wanted to go to a gay bar, right? Because everyone now and the youth are, are you know, some version and understanding of their journey. Um, what do you think, what do you think of that? What do you think of our letters? What do you think of this, this trend? Not just trend, but it's really evolvingness to our, um, our culture. Well, I think over the past 20 or 30 years, we've really in, begun to in, evolve. It's, you know, in the old days, there was like, own, there was gay and there was straight. And then it was like, well, no, women, you know, have their own relationship to sexuality. And then, then it was like, well, what about trans people? And what about people of color? And, you know, on and on. And it, I think we're, to me, we're, we're getting to the point of the end of the alphabet, that there's human sexuality and it's way more complicated than we, anybody ever dreamed. There's not just one cultural way of expressing it. You know, your, your choices are not being a wife, husband, or, you know, you know, an interior decorator. <laughs> or I was going to say, or priest. <laughs> yes, you know, or, you know, military, um, the classic British empire choices. So you know, it's like, you know, the, the original rainbow flag is the complete spectrum. So I think the spectrum is people are beginning to realize it's here. I mean, from neurobiology, we know that the X and Y chromosomes combine in a lot of shades of, of variation. It's not just XY or XX anymore. It's, you know, there's weak Y and, you know, weak X and the, the people are born in a, in a whole spectrum of, of ways. And then culture provides a whole spectrum that we always thought was sort of universal just because we weren't exposed as, as people to, you know, say, the culture of the Himalayas where women often take several husbands or, you know, in, in Arabian countries where, you know, Muslim law allows a man to take several wives or where, you know, people do other things. Um, and that all those things are now, we can say that they're all accept, you know, acceptable, you know, it, that variety that there doesn't need to be just a few choices. Yeah, it's interesting. Your your previous comment on ethics certainly comes to mind as you as you participate. Is it ethical? In those... Does it harm somebody? Right. If it doesn't harm somebody, what business is it of yours? <laughs> no, it's true. It's true, and it's it's interesting because I, um, you know, as an example, you might see a um, a throuple that's committed, right? Yes. And you're like, hey, what a wonderful thing if they found each other and they all can work that out. It's foreign to me, but so are a lot of things, right? The yeah. trans experience is foreign to me, yeah. right? Um, and so, that's okay. We can seek to understand. At the the bridesmaids at my wedding is a trans woman and a lesbian, and they're taking me out to lunch tomorrow so, you know, for my wedding anniversary. So that's, oh, that's so wonderful. So, you know, all those people are, you know, there's no shame in any of those things. So I think rather than adding more stripes to the flag, because they're going to be endless, that 
you know, we sort of just recognize that all of those things are legitimate. You know, there's no shame in any of them and we shouldn't have laws against or, you know, discrimination against people because they like to live in different ways as long as, you know, again, as long as they're not like, you know, keeping sex slaves or something like that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And that's, that comes back to the ethics piece, right? And making sure that people are honoring each other in their relationships. But I think the ending of the letters is, and the alphabet is wise, because at the end of the day, even in our own lives, you know, it's always, it was so interesting to me um, how women particularly seem to have more, um, uh, more creative paths, right? Where they might've been a lesbian at a time. Maybe they, they, they went and did this, you know, got in a relationship then with a man again. And you see yeah. an ability to flex your muscles in life. Women seem to be um, a little bit better about doing that. But as I see it, there are men who have increasingly different choices in their life that lead them down different paths. And I think yes, we have and, to make- You know, we live forever these days. I mean, somebody sent me a little booklet in one of my birthday cards about stuff about the year I was born. And one of the things was that the average life expectancy was 68 and a half. And I've now passed that. So it's all gravy from here on, right? Oh, it <laughs> is, it is. So- But, but you're right, you know, I mean- It's like things change. We live a long time. You know, you might like a relationship for 40 years and then you might feel the need for you know, bringing someone else into it or, you know, or trying something else or as long as it was not destructive, then I, what can, what can you say? It's not nobody's business but yours and, and whoever else is involved. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, as we sort well, of think, threatens a lot of people who are, well, it even myself, I have a, I have a more, um, I lean into more conservative thoughts, despite the fact that I'm gay. And so yeah, I find myself, that way. I was, and I find myself having to challenge myself and allow for that space to recognize that my experience is not that of many other people mm-hmm. and withholding that sort of judgment to really allow um, is important, especially in our culture, because there's so many of us of all kinds of also just cultures, literally. Yes different places, different things. Um, and I think that, you know, the people that really get bent out of shape, if I can use that word, um, are, you know, people who have sacrificed, you know, they maybe, maybe they are somewhere on the spectrum between gay and straight, and they've sacrificed a lot of feeling to be in a relationship that's socially acceptable, you know, where in the, when we had narrow choices. And you know, they've spent 40 years of not particularly being happy and they see some young gay couple and it's like, they have to be bad because otherwise I've wasted my entire life. So you can see how if you're invested in only a few choices, that could be really threatening. Yeah, well, it's very similar to highly religious people as well, right? Well, it's the same reason, you know, their whole worldview will fall apart. It won't really, but they think it will. Right. Well, and it will greatly challenge them. Well, you know, it's why all this silliness in Southern states about what bathroom you can use or whatever, you know, it's like, oh my God, if there's more than like men and women, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. 
uh, I was literally went to use the bathroom the other day and the men's bathroom was out and I was in a Southern small city and oh, I yes. looked and I said, I'm going to use the other bathroom. And uh, the lady says, you can't, it's for women. And I, I almost lost it. <laughs> like they have pink fixtures oh my god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love pink i love pink <laughs> so as we think about the queer community and we think about kind of our go forward i'm curious from your perspective we've, we've talked about ethics and we've talked about the letters um what other either advice would you give to people who are young and thinking about their futures um, or what would you encourage us towards as we think about progressing ourselves forward? Keep an open heart and an open mind. You know, that's, that's I think, wherever you've decided, when you've got it all figured out, you haven't. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. So <clears throat> things, <clears throat> excuse me, things get bigger and better. And, you know, the more you experience, the more you learn. Um, make a lot of friends when you're young because the older you get, the harder it is to make friends just because people are so involved. And it's sad to see a lot of straight men in, this, in the retirement community whose wives have died and they have no friends. You know, they had acquaintances at work and, you know, they might've had one or two friends at church or something, but they really don't have any friends. And it's really hard to make friends when you're older. Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that. There's, um, I have, I have a group of of my I call my straight guy friends, and uh, we'll just chat about different things. You know, a little text group, um, and we'll see each other when we can. But one of them shared an article uh, that basically talked about the isolation of straight men, and mm -hmm. how increasingly. Um, though you would think with social media and other things that they would be connecting, they are isolated. And I think it's worse now because they, they know about gay people and they're afraid that if they have any affection for another man, that, that you know, somehow they're, they're going to turn gay. You know? Right. And, and there's a really, harmful. there's a really important bonding that happens within the sexes, right? That can be very, very meaningful. Yeah, you know, the um, soldier is the classic example. Your your Marine buddies. We all know those people who never get over high school football and bore you to death with their stories about being in the Marines when they're 60. But, you know, those are big bonding experiences and they're afraid if they sort of acknowledge that, that it's, oh God, there's some kind of gay thing involved in this. And it's- Right, and they really need afraid it. Afraid of it. They really need it. And it's funny because I actually think the same thing's true in the gay world. I think that gay men need other gay men who are great friends, period. Yes, you period. need friends. You really do. Which when you think of how many gay men you meet, if you aren't pursuing that and you're just pursuing sex, you may just wind up with people you had sex with and no friends. <laughs> well, and then, you know, there's a guy I know who, you know, I pursued him for sex, but... He turned, he's turned out to be a good, we, he wasn't interested. And, but we've turned out to be great friends. We, you know, he's the guy I walk with every day. And, you know, it's just, we've become, he had to go to the hospital. I ended up driving him, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you need friends in your life. And the time you're going to make them is most easily when you're young. So go out and dance, go out to the bars, you know, have sex. Um, 
because your choice, you know, your opportunities are going to be more limited as you get older and volunteer, do stuff. You know, if you want to meet somebody, the bar is not where it's going to happen. Well, I won't say it won't happen there. It might happen at a rave weekend or a white party or, you know, something like that. It's possible. But if you want to meet somebody really nice, you know, that you'll be able to form some sort of relationship, if that's something important to you, do volunteer work in something you really believe in. You know, you're going to meet people who are sort of automatically qualified as nice people. <laughs> right. Well, it's you know, interesting. It's like, it's tell inter- your friends to introduce you to, to friends that they think are really nice people. It's interesting because when I look at your life, Patrick, and I think about, you know, um, the enjoyment of, of youth, also then the maturing that we have and sort of then the perspective you have when you're older, um, it is interesting how you have the opportunity as a young doll to think about what you'd like to have as your future and then make real moves towards it, right? Yes. Mm. It's coming whether you want it or not. Every day, the clock keeps ticking. Um, I will say one other thing. Young people all tend to be horrified about their bodies and their faces and, oh my God, I'm not attractive. And from, let me tell you from near on the cusp of 70, when you look at your pictures of yourself and all your friends and you say, they're all gorgeous, you know? (laughs) You know, youth is not coming back. So you really need to, you know, take advantage of it. And you're probably a lot cuter than you think you are. (laughs) Well, that is some real perspective there because you know what? We, We do over analyze and over criticize ourselves yeah you know oh my god a wrinkle you know (laughs) oh my god you know my teeth are not whitened and straightened and you know or you know my eyebrows meet in the middle who knows you know anything like that or my hair is not my hair is not straight or my hair is not curly or (laughs) (laughs) but nothing like uh being at the cusp of 70 to give you some perspective about that for sure (laughs) although i will say I've found in life that in my elders, I find so much beauty. If you actually scrape beneath the surface of what we're looking at and you talk to someone, Patrick, even like you, as we've, we've talked the few times we have, um, you really realize how much, if someone has curated themselves and has really walked through life as a learner, you can meet some pretty incredible people that have some age on them. Lots of people, incredible people out here. There, yeah. And, you know, the most innocuous little grandma here. You find out that she spent forty years in the Peace Corps and ziplined over the Zambezi. You know, exactly. <laughs> it's like you never know. Talk to people. Exactly, and I think a big part of that is allowing ourselves the space, the time, the opportunity to talk to all types of people. And yeah, talk to people you don't think you'll like. You know? Right? Agreed. It never, hurts to, it never, you know, it doesn't cost anything to say hello or, you know. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and that's a really big part of, honestly, the dose. I mean, having a 20-something, a 30-something, a 40-something in the group, but also talking to people across ages um, yes. is really important. That's why I do volunteer work because here yeah, I'm in, a, in, in a, a community where everybody's sort of my age or older and 
you know, I need some young people, you know, just right? to chat with, you know, just to get perspective of what are they thinking, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And that only comes through interaction, right? It's not going to yeah. come through an app. It's not going to come I see through. things I don't, and I see things they don't. And, you know, it's rich for both of us. Yeah. Well, I, I love the idea of, um, well, a lot of the things you've said today um, that well, I'm going to do <laughs> going to chew on further and our dolls can chew on um, as we kind of think about perspective of being in a different time in life and how that can your wisdom and your ideas can be used by younger people to think about how they're approaching their own lives and that's well even if they don't have to agree with it but it can be a good starting point for discussion yeah. <laughs> agreed agreed so i will um encourage you dolls um i think it's important to think about gaining perspective through the variety of the types of people that we pursue friendships with and i think that um if you don't know um gay people in different age groups i think that might be something to consider doing um, where it's it's safe, uh, meaning there's not a sexual aspect to the relationship, but it's truly a friendship. I think that has a lot of value. Um, it can be very, very valuable. It might start off with some sex. I don't know. Don't say there's not a sexual component because there's a whole group of people out there that who are gerontophiles, the people who love older people. So yes, this is true. There's another strike to the flag if you want to go into that. <laughs> this is true. This is true. You are, you are correcting me. Um, I get, grandpa, you know. <laughs> yeah, hey, right. And I'm, I guess my point is at the end, yes, there can be that sexual connection, but ultimately, yeah. You're going to get in perspective when you tap into the friendship, right? When you yes. tap into that part of the person. So um, you can still pursue that, um, but then be sure to pursue some friendships along the way um, that'll gain you perspective because we each have our own lives. We each have our own lenses that we're seeing through. And sometimes, you know, you can listen to a podcast um, and that's great, but sometimes someone's direct words in life can be so much more meaningful, I think, to to gaining new perspective for yourself yes. and how you should grow. So, and I think the other person will gain from you. Let's be honest, right? Yeah, you know, you affect everything. Everything you do affects people. Totally. You know, mildly, or it could change the world. You never know. I you agree. Know, you might prevent somebody just by smiling at them. You might prevent them from committing suicide and they might go on to invent the, the cure for COVID. Who knows? No, exactly. <laughs> well, it's, that's a big part of putting the right energy out there, right? And trying your best to, to put that yeah. out there for yourself and for the world around you. So, well, thank you, Patrick, so much for your time well, today. It's been fun talking to you. It has. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you, dolls. I remind you, once you've learned to love yourself, we need you to learn to love everyone else. Cheers. Yes, bye. <laughs>